All right, my friend, we have got a lot on the docket for tonight. And this is going to be entertaining, but also may make a few people throw up or queasy. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about a guy who had an accident while gardening, and you wouldn't believe where his pruning shears ended up. Uh, also a famous musician that was kidnapped to play for a famous gangster's birthday party. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, it's funny how attitudes change about things. We've got some people complaining about drunk driving laws in the 80s and what they, what they had to say about that. Uh, and we got uh, yeah, a whole bunch of stuff, man. There's so many good things uh, coming up tonight. This person that maybe almost ended up being uh, kidnapped by a serial killer. And uh, if they a well-timed haircut can make all the difference. So, yeah, got some good stuff. So anyway, man, I'm going to go ahead and play it in and uh, we'll get the sucker started. All right, let's go. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, and liftoff. Yes, indeedy. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You get the Horn Show. Tad and Jeff here. Welcome to the big show. Wherever you are in the world, we welcome our global audience. We thank you for joining us, and uh, we're excited to have you here tonight. We got a whole bunch to get through. So first things first, uh, how are you tonight, bro? Doing great. Doing great as always. You? Doing well, man. Have you had any uh, sort of animal uh attacks in the new studio tonight i know last week you were having some issues with uh animals finding ways to to break their way in during the show has that uh oh that it's funny you say that my dog just uh managed to push his way in and now <laughs> is demanding pets so yes <laughs> so, so it's a three-person show tonight so that's great person show yeah so we got some awesome awesome uh things to talk about tonight we're gonna roll through these things uh and then on top of that we have a brand new segment tonight that is going to be yeah looking forward to it so get ready oh boy that's right really hyped it up yeah (laughs) letting everybody get ready this is going to be a good one uh all right so let's start let's start with the first thing here In 2011, Leroy Lucher, who was 86 years old, had finished trimming plants outside his home in Phoenix, Arizona, when he dropped the shears. As he bent down to pick them up, he lost his balance and fell face down directly onto the handle of the shears, which penetrated his eye socket and went down into his neck. Mr. Lucher said that covered in blood and in tremendous pain, he reached up and felt the shears jutting from his face. He said, I don't know if my eyeball was still there or what. The pain was so bad. I guess I wasn't afraid to die. Before I forget to do it, let me go ahead and share my screen here so that you can see exactly what this picture looks like. Oh, gosh. Can you imagine such a thing? That is the x-ray. Oh, my gosh. That is unbelievable. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. So here's the thing that's really crazy. This guy who fell down and had these shears go into his eye socket, they were able to save him and save his eye. He ended up having 20 days of antibiotics and he was okay. 
I was like, ah, here, take a few pills and uh, yeah. <laughs> you'll be yes. fine. Yeah. Take two of these uh, every day. He said, uh, he said that if the instrument had gone in any direction different than it did, I would have bled to death right there. He managed to put his T-shirt over the wound to staunch the bleeding and was able to call his partner who contacted the, the emergency services. After scan, scanning his brain, surgeons discovered the handle had penetrated six inches into his head and was resting against the carotid artery in his neck. Doctors successfully removed the shears and were able to save Mr. Lutcher's eye by rebuilding his orbital floor with a titanium plate before putting him on antibiotics for 20 days to stave off infection. I've just built different, I suppose, back uh, you, these old I, folks. I mean, that's just one of those ones where you see that picture or even you just hear the story. It's like you just like cringe. It's like, ooh. Yeah, that's uh, that one's oh. rough. Oh. And like, also, what do you even do? Like there are certain injuries or certain things that happen that are so far beyond what your comprehension is of what's going on that it's like, I don't even know how you can react. Like you fall down. I don't even want to talk too much about it because it's going to make me throw up. But then it's like, you have pruning shears coming out of your eye socket. How in the world are you like, man, I got to call somebody. It's like, this is almost so bad that, you know, you're dead. Like there's no... You just died. This can't be real. You can't be alive and wandering like a zombie with pruning shears sticking out of your head. Oh. 86 years old, probably served in a war or two. And that's how it goes out some pruning shears. That's all Seriously. he's got to be thinking. Like, yeah, I did all this and this is how I die. Yeah. Freaking azaleas. <laughs> See? <laughs> See, that's what, that's what it is, man. You stupid gardening. <laughs> oh, it's so crazy to even think about. I mean, oh, I, yeah. Uh, just the way it went in, too. Like, and I, I guess he's lucky that the shearing part didn't actually go in his eye. Yeah. But somehow the handle goes all the way in. It's either the worst luck or the best luck that this yeah, guy had. I have I'm no idea sure. which one. I yeah. guess it's best, but he never should have been in that situation. So, no. oh. yeah, completely insane story. Anything to cleanse the palate after that one. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, well, no. So, uh, cool. here's cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So, how about this one then? In 1926, famous jazz pianist Fats Waller was returning home from a performance in Chicago when he was suddenly ambushed by a group of gangsters. They held him at gunpoint and ordered him into the back of their vehicle. He was terrified for his life and obviously he obliged. After driving for a short while, they arrived at an exclusive club owned by notorious gangster Al Capone. Fats was then forced inside where he performed on the piano for the entire venue. It turned out it was Al Capone's 28th birthday and since he was a big admirer of Fats, he wanted Fats to perform for him. According to Fats Waller's son, the famed jazz musician wasn't harmed and spent three days and nights performing for Capone and his guests, taking breaks only to sleep on his piano bench. He was reportedly paid $100 per song, which is the equivalent of over $1,600 today. So basically three days and three nights, you just get a chance to sleep in between songs on a piano bench and you were just playing for Al Capone for his birthday. Literally kidnapped after a show just to uh -huh. go there and do that. For $1,600 essentially. Well, per <laughs> song. For $1,600 per song. It was it? It's a, it was per yeah, song? So, 
Yeah, so okay. what it was, well, yeah, yeah, you, he can, got, you can kidnap me for it that. It was hundred dollars per song, which is sixteen hundred dollars today. Okay. So in based on inflation, he was essentially getting sixteen hundred dollars a song. Eh. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's not bad, things. right? The pay is I mean, good. If you can live with the the kidnapping and well, then the nonstop twenty four hour, you know, having to play for three solid days with the obvious threat of potential murder, I mean, the money's not bad. I mean, if if you can get kidnapped by the mafia and get paid to do so, yeah, it's not a bad gig. No, if you can get it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you're a musician, man. You you take any gig you can get, and this one's paying better than almost <laughs> anyone. Like, how many shows are you making that kind of money? If you're Fats Waller, it's like okay, yeah, you're good. Nobody's doubting that. But this is back then, man. That's good money. A hundred bucks a song when you're gonna play like. 300 songs or something like that i mean you you're you're gonna be doing a lot you're making good money yeah yeah it seems like uh he he did well what if he had to claim that on his taxes how, how do you right. claim that <laughs> yeah i mean i think if you knew ahead of time that you would live through it you would take that gig all day i think the problem is that he had absolutely no idea if he would be murdered. sure i think sure i mean <laughs> that the, does like, hang over three you. straight days you thought you were gonna die so i mean i guess that's bad it does but make it tough to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, hindsight being 2020 afterwards, you're like, oh, okay. These these are good dudes. Like, call yeah. me next year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> call me. I'll show yeah, up. You don't have to actually me. kidnap me and throw yeah, me in a you trunk. you can hire so. me. <laughs> I'm happy to be hired. Yeah. So apparently Fats was later found very drunk, extremely tired, and had earned thousands of dollars in cash from Capone and other partygoers as tips. So, yeah. Good for fats. <laughs> yeah, way to go, buddy. There you go. <laughs> uh, so then we're going to flip it a little bit. You know, we talk all the time about how just, you know, things have changed, right? In time, times have changed. This is an example. I found this clip of people complaining about new drunk driving laws in the 80s. Okay. That's your, that's your setup right there. This is people complaining about drunk driving laws in the 1980s. Let's let's have a look. The attempt to restrict drinking and driving here is viewed by some as downright undemocratic. It's kind of getting common this when a fella can't put in a hard day's work, put in 11, 12 hours a day, and then get in your truck and at least drink one or two beers. They're making it laws where you can't drink when you want to. You have to wear a seatbelt when you're driving. And- Pretty soon we're going to be communist country. Any attempt to restrict... There you go. Communist country. Not that far off. No, really. I mean, look, I don't totally disagree with her about the seatbelt thing, but I just thought it was really funny that they're like... How the attitude was back then, where it was just like, well, that's just what you did. You jumped in the car, you had a couple beers on the way home, like nobody thought anything of it. I'm very curious what drunk driving uh, accidents and arrests, what the stats were back then versus now, after you've criminalized it and after you've done everything to try to prevent it from happening. Be very curious to know like what the, how much of an impact that actually had. Yeah, it's crazy. I can remember my dad drinking and driving multiple times. (laughs) (laughs) It was just, but we didn't think anything of it. He wasn't like yeah. drunk, but right. you know, crack a few beers as he's driving down the road. It was just normal. That was a normal thing. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, it's funny. You know, it's again, it's one of those things. Attitudes have changed so much, and you know, you look at it now, and it's kind of like, man, this is this is crazy that you know that that people would have that mentality uh, toward <laughs> toward something like drinking and driving, which you feel like is kind of a universally uh, looked down upon thing. But honestly, yeah, it was just it was a different time, and and I don't think. <sighs> Yeah, I'd be curious to know how many people were were really drunk, right? Because there, there's a difference. Drinking and driving is different than drunk driving. So I'd be curious to know. But I do think that's interesting that, you know, these, you know, they, they start seeing these rules put on them. <laughs> it's like, it turned into a communist country. I can't, I can't drink and drive anymore. Got to wear them seatbelts and yeah. not drink beer while I'm driving. <laughs> Dang, yeah. commies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty uh, pretty crazy uh, how 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 things evolve and change, uh, because in this next story, this is this is a problem that neither neither of these things used to be problems in the same way that they are now. So uh, I'm going to kind of preface that in 2011, a spam text message from a wireless company prematurely exploded a would be suicide bomber's vest. Inadvertently thwarting a planned attack on partygoers in Moscow on New Year's Eve. The would-be suicide bomber was planning to detonate a suicide belt bomb near Red Square, a plan that was foiled when her wireless carrier sent her a text message wishing her Happy New Year while she was still at the safe house, which set off the bomb and killed her. So... I mean, look, you never know what's going to happen, right? The best laid plans. But honestly, we didn't used to have people trying to, to kill people with suicide bombs and vests and stuff. And then also, we didn't used to deal with technology of text messages and everything else. And sometimes you bring those two things together and uh, hilarity ensues. <laughs> you imagine that? It was like, ding. <laughs> Happy new. <laughs> <laughs> Probably didn't get a chance to read it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude, like I don't know. Obviously, for for good reason, I, I I'm not that aware of how these suicide uh, vests work and stuff. But uh, do you have to put your phone your phone on airplane mode? Is that the deal? <laughs> Apparently, like, until yeah. you're ready to set it off. Yeah, it's like don't 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 take any messages. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I yeah. mean, it's it's not. I mean, it's it, quite uh, life saving. I mean, geez. How many people, yeah. well, that'd be a completely different story had that not happened. But that was yeah. about the guy that uh, blew himself up on the plane, but only, you know, only just blew himself up and sucked right. him out of the airplane. Remember that? Like, jeez, <laughs> man, sometimes it's just not meant to be. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, that's the thing. It's like, hey, man, maybe you're just not good at suicide bombing. That's like, it. We all have strengths and weaknesses. Sure. The problem is you're probably not going to get a chance to find out what your strengths are if it turns out that one of your weaknesses is suicide bombing. Good at suicide bombing. (laughs) It's like in in school, you know, you can kind of go to your guidance counselor and they might try to help you figure out like what you should do with your life. But it's basically a one-shot deal. Once you've gone down the path of suicide bomb, there's really, there isn't anything else. You don't learn from that very well. Make that the last thing you try, not the first thing you try. Yeah. Let's let's get all the other stuff. You know, maybe you're a good painter. I don't know. Maybe... Yeah, uh, you know, maybe you're good at technology. No, you're not good at technology. No, not so, really. No, no, no. Yeah, stick with the suicide bombing. <laughs> yeah, probably your best bet. Uh, okay, so moving on. In the year 2000, 
Mike Anderson was convicted of armed robbery after holding up a local Burger King. For the crime, he was sentenced to 13 years in prison, but was freed on bail pending an appeal. After his appeal was unsuccessful, he patiently waited for instructions on when and where to begin his incarceration as directed. However, those instructions never arrived. As the years rolled by, he got married, had children, became a carpenter, and even coached a local sports team. Turns out the reason he was never sent to prison was because of a clerical error that mistakenly stated he was already incarcerated. This error was only noticed 13 years later when it was time for Anderson to be freed from prison. So then the cops arrived at his home a few days later and he was finally arrested and put in prison. So initially he was told that he had to serve the entire 13 year sentence, but his lawyer presented evidence showing he was no longer engaged in criminal activity and had built a stable future for himself and his family. The lawyer argued that imprisoning a rehabilitated man would be negative for everyone. So on May 5th, 2014, Anderson was released from prison with credit for time served, making him a free man with no need for parole. That's so crazy. That yeah. I mean, what that is a crazy story. And it's, I get both sides. I really do. You know, we, yeah. I try not to be a both sides guy, but you rob something, you're supposed to do our time. Yes. A clerical error. You know, it's like uh, uh, what was the monopoly, a bank error in your favor, you know, collect $45. <laughs> but then at the same time, you know, it's not like the guy ran, fled, like he's still yeah. living wherever he's at and just waiting. The waiting had oh. to be insane. But it, after right. a few, like what, a few months, maybe, then you got to be like, all right, well, I'm not saying anything. I'm not going to say anything, you know, like at a certain point, like I think it's the first few days, the first few weeks, you're kind of like, man, I thought they'd be here by now. Now, a lot of people might be like, I should call, you know, that's where the mistake See, is. Don't, yeah, don't, don't, you don't need don't to like, come clean on this. Don't point right. it out to people. I was thinking that as I was saying it, like at what point does he have any obligation to right. call and say, y'all going to come get me, you know, <laughs> I, but I, I don't know. I, I yeah. mean, that's a tough one. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, would I do the same? I mean, you, it, you've been found guilty. They've given you instructions. You're just now waiting like, all right, well, I'll wait until they show up. Yeah, It's your responsibility. You got to tell me how it's supposed to work. I don't know how this stuff works. And yeah, you don't ever uh, bother to tell me what am I supposed to do? Probably knew how the system worked at that point. I imagine <laughs> that wasn't his first go around, but yeah. maybe it was, but yeah. I just, I don't know how he would have ever rested. I mean, just knowing at any point in time that, that you know, we've talked about that, you know, where people have uh, gotten away with murder for the longest time. And then, yeah. you know, eventually it catches up with them. And this is kind of the same in a way, just, you know, you're sitting there, you're just waiting for the door to, you know, for the doorbell to ring. Yeah. Every time it rings, he had to have thought that has to be <laughs> the police, right? I mean, there's never a time where he was like, well, oh, that's probably just Nancy from down the road. You know, it's I mean, uh, at least for a while, right? But that's the, that's the question is like when you're dreading something, that something bad's going to happen, how long does that stay in your mind before you're just kind of like, all right, I guess I'm clear. Like, I guess, I'm, you know, like that's the thing I'm curious about is like how long, like was it really five years later was he worried every time the doorbell rang? Was he worried every time the phone rang? Like, was he still like, oh, don't tell him I'm here. You know, like that kind of thing. Watching, like, wearing a hat. 
or was it just like, hey man, I'm living my life. I don't know. Like I'm just out here. <laughs> I'm doing me. I ain't robbing no no Burger Kings anymore. But I'm certainly not gonna. You know, like I just feel like I'm probably in the clear for whatever reason. Like 13 uh, years is a long time, man. It is a long time. I I don't I don't know. Did he tell his wife like, hey, just so you know, at any point in time, I could be picked up and hauled off to jail for 13 years, or uh, yeah, did he marry her? five years into it, six years into it. And again, thinking he's in the clear and yeah, all right, I guess they, uh, you know, so I don't, I don't know what he would have thought. Right. See, I think, I, I think for me, and I don't know, cause I, I hopefully would never put myself in that position. Um, especially robbing a Burger King. <laughs> that, better uh, places to rob. For sure. yeah, I would think so anyways, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, but I, I just, I think I would, um, I, I just, I don't know. I don't think I could ever sleep or rest knowing that I, I'm being convicted of this. And you just feel like it's hanging over you, right? I yeah, mean, it has to. There just has to be that cloud over you all the time. And then as it gets like into year 10, are you like, dang, man, I could be almost done. But at this point, right. good behavior, I would already be out. <laughs> so it's almost like you're just cheating it. But at the same time, knowing that like, hey, your your sentence could be already be done. And then. He gets arrested because I'm sure they were like, hey, we're ready to release this guy. And they're like, yeah. this guy's never been here. And so or now maybe it was like a Shawshank situation where they're right. like, uh, OK, go get him out of his cell. What? <laughs> He's not in here. Take that poster down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is there a hole in the exactly. wall over there? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I wonder how that went down because that and, you know, and then at year 13, they're showing up like, uh, hey, dude. You're supposed to be in jail 13 years ago. Yeah. So that's a good attorney that's able to argue uh, why a guy who never served a day in prison didn't have to serve a day in prison. I mean, I guess he probably was there for, I'd be curious how long he was there. I'm assuming that has to be six months, maybe three months. Yeah, They don't really say, but yeah, you would think it has to be a little while, but yeah, don't, don't really know for sure. They don't give, they give the date that he was released, but they don't give the date that he went in. Yeah, so I would think he probably was still in there for a little while, but jeez, man. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty pretty interesting because it does. You know, we talked the other week about like, you know, the whole would you kill uh, Hitler if he was unarmed, you know, that type of thing, the the whole ethics thing. And it's sort of like the same type of thing where if you did something wrong, you got convicted, but then this type of thing came up like, do you have a responsibility to turn yourself in? Or is it like, no, I don't have any responsibility. They have a responsibility to come and get me or tell me what I'm supposed to do. And like, they don't give me any instructions. That's on them. You must not want me that bad. I, I would imagine from a legal standpoint, he's probably a hundred percent correct. Um, then, but you know, now you get into a moral standpoint, right? And, you know, I'm sure this is a prime case that gets used or, or, you know, will get used now for, you know, you know, lesser sentencing and everything else. I I mean, it's an idea. Hey, you're going to be sentenced to 13 years in jail. We're not going to arrest you right now. Get your life together. One mistake that you make and you're going to go to jail for the 13 years, regardless of how long it's been. Yep. Plus whatever else you did to get yourself in trouble to throw yourself in there. That could be a good uh, case study. That'd be interesting. Yeah. How many people yeah. could actually uh, do that? Or or they would just be like, well, all right, I got caught one time out of the five times I did right. something wrong. 
So I, I, I got, I got my eight lives. Like my chances. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'd be curious though, or how many people like him are like, well, shoot, let me just get on the straight and narrow at this point. And, right. And right. Turn my life around. Cause this is a blessing. Uh, that's true. That's interesting. Yeah. That'd yeah. be an interesting uh, case study. I mean, for something that's not like a major crime, might might be uh might be worth a thought. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a neat idea. It's it's and it brings up you know a very interesting question. So, uh, moving on from that, I man, I saw this and I thought this is such a talk about building an experience. This is building an experience in Japan. There's a pop restaurant, pop-up restaurant called the Restaurant of Mistaken Orders. It was designed to raise public awareness of dementia in a country where one in five older people will have dementia by 2025. All of the employees there suffer from dementia. So you never know what kind of food or service you're going to get while you're there. You literally just have these older people with dementia serving you. You tell them I want a hamburger, you might get octopus. Like, it, like there's no telling <laughs> what might happen. I mean, it's a very fascinating thing because, you know, people hear about dementia and obviously it's a terrible, terrible thing. But this is an opportunity where those people are actually able to, to work and make money and there's no shame in making mistakes or forgetting orders or doing anything like that. But it's an interesting, it's almost like a, a, an observation of seeing how it affects people in real time, right? Where it's like, I could sit here and tell you exactly my order and then, you know, see what happens after that and what I end up getting and, you know, all of those things. I just thought it was a very fascinating concept. No, it's, it's really neat. I mean, I think the guy uh, who started the, um, the restaurant actually was in a, a place like that. And I don't know who he was visiting must've been a relative or something and had ordered something and something completely different came out and realized like, Hey, you know, uh, you know, this is a cool concept of like, you know, it's not that big of a deal, you know, like they got my order wrong and, right. you know, and now it kind of gives life to those people. Like I, I know a lot of that is like, you know, cause I, I've, you know, had relatives who, who, um, you know, suffered with that and, and it's like keeping them entertained or keeping them like going, you know, cause it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you can get real lonely, real depressed, you know, and you don't very know anyone or anything. It's just very yeah. demoralizing. And, you know, the videos I saw of this, you know, like the, the staff is just laughing and carrying on. Uh, now I, 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 <laughs> The uh, the cheapskate in me, or you know the, uh, the the person in me is like, okay, if I order crab and they bring me out a hot dog, <laughs> what am I being charged for? <laughs> I hope everything's the <laughs> what same am price. Being charged for? <laughs> hey, I love yeah. this experience. I love that they're. Uh, uh, I love that they they've got work and they've got purpose and, and meaning, but. I'm not paying, you know, $74 for a hut. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, my hope is it's just one price <laughs> for the whole menu. It doesn't matter what you get. Uh, yeah. Anything else. Yeah. It starts to get a little touchy. It's like, uh, I ordered sweet tea. You brought me honey. Uh, I don't want a glass of honey and now I'm paying all this money. So yeah, I think it would be very fascinating uh, to have that experience. Yeah. So I actually have some friends that are going to Japan later this year. I might need to tell them about this and see if they can uh, go check it out. So, 
yeah. Uh, thought that was, I just thought it was a neat thing. And what no, an interesting cool. way to, to, you know, like you said, to, to give these people an opportunity to do something like this and still earn money and, and not be, you know, there, there's no negative connotation with it. It's, it's, it's totally fine. It's almost encouraged, you know, the yeah. mistakes and everything it doesn't matter. So yeah, yeah. thought it was neat. All right. But how scary is a uh, one in five? I know. Why in Japan? One in five adults will have dementia by 2025 in Japan. Why specifically Japan? I mean, it's known as a healthy culture. So, yeah. you know, why, why specifically? And I'm very curious. That's something to do a deeper dive on. Like, what is it in Japan that's making older people get dementia? Get dementia? Now, again, I don't know those rates in comparison to global dementia rates. Yeah, Maybe that could is be the just same. kind of the I, average. I don't know, but yeah. that's insane to think one in five people, you know, there's five of us right. in our yeah. in our group. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know yeah. we got we got five of us that have been uh, you know, friends for well, some of us way more, but you know, for twenty plus years. Yeah. To think that yeah. one of us would end up with dementia. I'd probably put it on Hefe, but uh, <laughs> He told me the same thing about you, so that's yeah. Really well, funny. it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So yeah, pretty crazy stuff. So something to look at. Hopefully, at some point, we'll start to see some sort of progress on this uh, dementia topic. So, uh, so now that I've brought the mood down, I feel like there's a great way to follow up on that, and let's talk about a serial killer. Hey, what um, better way? Yeah. <laughs> One day in 1972 in Seattle, 22-year-old Sotria Kritsonis waited for over an hour for a city bus to take her to school. During her wait, a Volkswagen Beetle pulled up to the curb, and the guy behind the wheel asked her if she wanted a ride. According to Kritsonis, the man said, I've come down Rainier Avenue, and that's a long way, and there's no bus in sight. Would you like a ride? She accepted the ride, but after entering the car, it soon became apparent that the man was driving her in the opposite direction. Kritsonis thought about jumping out of the car, but then realized that wasn't an option when she noticed her side of the car didn't have a door handle. The man behind the wheel then requested that she remove her hat. When she complied, he required, or he inquired, why did you cut your hair? It dawned on her that the man must have been stalking her to be aware of her previous hairstyle and recent haircut. About an hour into their journey, the man abruptly dropped Kritsonis off in front of her school forcefully pushing her to the ground and warned her she was lucky. She informed her family about what had happened, but decided against calling the police. It took about a year and a half for her to realize while watching TV that she'd been picked up by the infamous serial killer, Ted Bundy, who later confessed to the murders of 30 women. And this is a picture of Ted Bundy in the car or with the car that he picked her up in. So he picked wow. her up, picked her up, clearly was going to kidnap her. Ted Bundy picked her up, says he's going to give her a ride to school, clearly driving in the wrong direction, is going to kidnap her, tells her to take off her hat, sees she cut her hair, did not like short hair. He liked women with long hair. So found out she had just cut her hair, got super angry about it, kicked her out of the car, but did not kill her. That's insane. 
Oh my gosh! I mean, you just talk about the the, the close calls that you have sometimes in the in, in in life, right? I mean, heck, we just talked earlier about the guy with the pruning shears and stuff like that's a very close call. This is that type of situation. Like, how many other people? Thirty other women that we know of that he killed, right? So, like, how many other people were in that same scenario? And that was the end of them. And she happened to have just gotten a haircut. And something that simple, right? We talk all the time about the butterfly effect and all that stuff. Something that simple, you know, ends up having, oh man, if I, if, if I had postponed my haircut, I'd be dead. It's crazy. It is so crazy. And then, but what would possess her not to call the police? I know. That is so weird. And how many more people after her did he end up murdering like does she not feel any remorse on that or like any guilt on that i'm not saying they would have like figured it out but they had a pretty good description you know a, a volkswagen yellow volkswagen beetle driving i think around. it was just weird back then like you didn't know he's a serial killer right and people gave you rides more easily so it was just kind of like you know why is that guy saying that stuff about my haircut but then he took her to school you know so it's like that's weird like you don't know until later and then you're like wait a minute that's that same dude that uh picked me up and you know like yeah so i don't know you're right i mean in, nowadays i think that's just the automatic thought right they will call the cops and talk with them but this is a long time ago it so you know 50 years ago i guess it was just a different you know viewpoint toward you know toward that stuff maybe you just didn't think of you know i don't know think of that uh, th that same level of danger with certain things yeah crazy though scary too uh ba, 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 ba. so i thought okay so i saw this one this and in fact i will bring up a picture just for you to see what i'm looking at here this is the florence supermax prison i mean look at that thing that looks like a massive complex i mean it looks like a military base yeah So, the Florence Supermax Prison is, it's called the Alcatraz of the Rockies, and what one former prison warden called a clean version of hell. It's a massive complex that houses the world's most dangerous criminals. Anyone from Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, everyone knows El Chapo, to Zokar Sarnayev, he's the guy that bombed the uh, Boston Marathon. Boston Marathon, yeah. He, uh, so they can be found in a concrete cage nestled in a remote part of the Rocky Mountains. Unlike most other prisons where rehabilitation forms at least part of the overall purpose, in the Florence Supermax, there's nothing of the sort. It's all about segregation and control. Whereas at other facilities... Solitary confinement can be used as a temporary punitive measure for people that are in prison. At the Florence Supermax, it's a daily reality. These prisoners are locked in their 7 by 12 foot cells for 23 hours a day. With just one slit shaped window for them to glimpse the sky outside. Can you imagine being in a 7 by 12 room? For 23 hours a day. For years. Like, that's got to be worse than, I don't know, worse than whatever, you know, at that point, you'd just be ready to 
Oh, for, you'd be hoping. Put me down. Like, give me a lethal injection, man. Yeah. That is crazy. Notable felons that have served or are serving time there. Uh, Ramsey Youssef, who was convicted <laughs> of the 93 World Trade Center bombing. Yeah. Ted Kaczynski. Uh, Zacharias uh, Musawi. Musawi, right? Yeah. Yep. Convicted uh, conspiring to kill citizens as part of the September 11th attack. Terry Nichols. Mm. The accomplice in the Oklahoma City bombing yeah. in 95. Uh, Richard Lee McNair, convicted of multiple murders uh, and had known for being escaping. Uh, of course, you know, you mentioned El Chapo. Uh, Barry Mills, a leader of the Aryan Brotherhood. Uh, Tyler Bingham, another Aryan Brotherhood leader. Um, wow. Robert Hansen, a former FBI agent convicted mm. of espionage. Uh, Wadi El Haji. Convicted for conspiracy in the 98 U.S. Embassy bombings in Africa. And Thomas Silverstein, known for killing a prison guard, spent decades in solitary confinement until his death in 2019. This is like the worst of the worst. Like, this is yeah. like Con Air type people. I was people. just getting ready to say that. I was just getting ready to say this. The Florence Supermax is real life Con Air, where it's 100%. just like the worst of the worst, most vile criminals Dang. in the world in one place. And they're locked in individual rooms, seven by 12 room for 23 hours a day. I, I imagine you to be a security guard there, to be a, you know, a, a guard there. You have to probably have the most highest level clearance ever. Yeah. I mean, NDAs out the wazoo. Like it has to be that way. You yeah. can't just like any Joe Schmo off the street and have them become a prison guard there. No. Like this has to be some like you have to be vetted, I imagine, to work in a place like this. You have to, right? I mean, because the other thing that you can't—I mean, not that it would be very easy to uh, to actually do anything—but like you can't run the risk of anyone being able to like help a prisoner or break someone out or you know anything like that. I mean, it's just this is like the the craziest thing that you can possibly do. Um, I saw too that the inmates are confined for most of the day. We already talked about it in the cells. The facilities are made of poured reinforced concrete and are under 24 hour supervision carried out intensively with high staff to inmate ratios. Like they don't mess around. Like this is going to be very, it's basically, I would think the hardest place on earth to ever consider breaking out of. Like, I don't think this probably even, I mean, is it possible to break out of the Florence Supermax prison? Maybe with help. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. I, that's why I say it's got to be, you know, this isn't going to be like the, uh, uh, what was that girl who like, she was the shop teacher, or the sewing teacher. Remember that um, in the, I think it was New York where she oh. got the, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She helped those two inmates escape. Like, right. It ain't yes. going to be something like that. I can promise no. you. So. No, they say that as of uh, this month, November 2023, Supermax unit at Florence houses 335 male inmates. Each is assigned to one of six security levels. It's designed for 474 inmates, but has never been at full capacity. So, I mean, we're really not talking about anything big. You know, we're talking hundreds of people, but like the amount of money and effort and everything that would have had to go into to creating it is just insane to be able to house 500 people and that's also crazy too the money that would have got poured into that yeah. like that has to be some government 
money going into that place. I mean, that has to be subsidizing that because obviously they're not making license plates there. Well, no, it was built in 1995. And back then it cost $60 million to build. And it's on 600 acres of land to house less than 500 people. Six. I mean, <laughs> I mean, jeez. Uh, a couple yeah. acres for each one, <laughs> and they're in a what a seven by twelve. Seven by twelve. It says during their hour outside the cell, which can occur at any time of day or night. They're not on a schedule. You just get randomly told, "Hey, your hour is this time tomorrow, or today, or whatever." You know, like on whatever short notice. But it can be any time, day or night, that you get your hour outside of the cell. So the hour outside of the cell is for exercise and a phone call if they've earned the privilege. How do you not earn the privilege being in a cell for 23 hours unless (laughs) you're throwing feces against the wall all day? (laughs) It says, uh, according to a 1998 report in the San Francisco Chronicle, the Supermax's main purpose is to try and extract reasonably peaceful behavior from extremely violent career prisoners. Man, I mean, that's what a place it's, you know, unfortunately they don't do uh they don't do any tours here, but the building itself is a 37 acre complex. It's a hundred miles South of Denver. Jeez. I wonder what their accommodations are in there. You know, do they have the canteen? Do they have, you know, commissary, you know, I, I you know, or is, uh, you know, the, the, uh, uh, Boston Marathon bomber, you know, able to get Fritos right. <laughs> anytime he wants. Uh, I, I, yeah. You know, what do they have a TV in there? You know, a, any access to internet? It says that the majority of the facilities above ground, with the exception of a subterranean corridor that links cell blocks to the lobby, each cell contains a desk, stool, and bed constructed almost entirely of poured concrete as well as a toilet that shuts off if blocked, a shower that runs on a timer to prevent flooding, and a sink lacking a potentially dangerous tap. Cells are also fitted with polished steel mirrors bolted to the wall, electric lights that can be shut off or dimmed by the inmate, a radio, and a television that shows recreational, educational, and religious programming along with 50 mainstream channels and Netflix content. So they do get Netflix. They get Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> so the Boston Marathon can uh, Boston Marathoner can watch uh, Mark Wahlberg. Um, <laughs> yes. Do a movie. Yeah. About him, essentially. That's perfect. Like, yes. And he's just there, like that didn't happen. Oh, yeah. oh, they're didn't even go like that. that. Nobody yeah. talked to me about it. <laughs> oh my gosh, they get Netflix there. Yeah. Jeez, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah. That is pretty, pretty crazy. Um, Yeah, I'm looking through. I mean, obviously, there's so much information about this. We could go on for quite a while. But but here's here's a couple interesting things I'll I'll bring up just so you can kind of see what we got here. So this is how the cells are designed. So they're kind of like next to each other. uh, And then you have solid steel door a window to the corridor, bars and doors. I mean, concrete stool and table, concrete bed, shower, 
four inch wide window. Look at that. I mean, they weren't lying when they said a slit, like a four inch wide window. That's what you can see outside. I mean, you're just peeking out with one eye. You know, yes. look in jeez. <laughs> yeah. Four inch wide window. Can they talk to each other between those walls? I wonder. Oh, I doubt it. I doubt it. Jeez. In fact, here's another here's another little something to So you can kind of see the breakdown. So the little tiny four inch wide window, they have their shower that's on a timer, but Hey, you can sit uncomfortably sideways here. If you want to try to watch TV, get your Netflix. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. That's what a, that's what a cell looks like in the Florence supermax prison. Four foot by 12 foot or sorry, sorry. Seven feet by 12 feet with a four inch wide window. Wow. Now, has anyone ever got released from there? Hmm. Good question. That one, I'm not sure. That one, I'm not sure. Trying to see. Despite the extreme security measures to deter disruptive, violent, dangerous behavior among inmates, there have been murders there. Silvestre Rivera and Richard Santiago were both charged with the first-degree murder of Manuel Torres, a high-level member of the Mexican Mafia. Left alone with no guard supervision in the prison yard on the morning of April 21st, 2005, Rivera and Santiago were videotaped brutally beating and stomping Torres to death. Rivera pled not guilty due to self-defense. Hard to claim self-defense when you're stomping someone to death. Prosecutors intended to seek the death penalty against Rivera and Santiago, but they were both given life sentences for the murders. Um, Oh, well, okay. So today Santiago remains incarcerated there. But Rivera is currently serving his life sentence at a different uh, prison at Hazleton. So he at least got transferred out. He's in a different prison, though. Well, he transferred out because he conspired with someone else to murder right. someone. So, yeah, I guess I could see why he would. But, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, man. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. Quite a list of uh, terrible people there at the Supermax yeah. prison. The who's who of uh, awful people. That's right. That's right. Very crazy place. Not a place you'd want to spend much time. Okay, so with that having been said, this was promised. And now I'm about to deliver. Tonight, we have a brand new segment on the show. Get yourself ready. This is Real Things for Sale on Facebook Marketplace. I have not shared this with you. I have not told you what we're doing. I only told Uh you there's going to be a new segment. I have not shown you any of the stuff. I have found some things. These are actual things that I personally found. I did not find a funny article that listed these. I did not like see anything. I personally found these things myself and put them together for this segment. Real things. Currently for sale on Facebook Marketplace. The first one. <laughs> I'm going to show you a picture. And we will obviously, because people, some people are going to be listening on the podcast. So we will describe what we're seeing here. Okay. So the first thing here is a fold-out couch with a bed. What the world? <laughs> 
there's a fold-out couch with a bed and mattress. The mattress looks as if someone was murdered on it. Right? It's like filthy. It looks like you someone, I don't know, dumped coffee all over it or old blood or something. It says, nice sleeper sofa in good condition. Come pick it up and it's yours. Because it is free, but somebody took it. It says sold. Someone came and Someone got the thing. It. Now, here's what's crazy, though. I, when you zoom in on it, what you realize is it actually is a nature scene. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way you could tell that. That's you can tell that is it. And why is a nature scene on a mattress topper? Yes. What in the world? I dude, I thought for sure. Like I zoomed in to see like how many like liters of blood this must be on this mattress. And then I realized, like, no, it's like a marsh with like reeds growing. I guess this is maybe supposed to be water. There's reeds out here, tall grasses. That is so ridiculous. <laughs> but you zoom out and it looks like that. <laughs> Oh my and this gosh. is how it looks when you're looking at it on the phone or the computer. It looks like this. You're not you're not seeing it like this. It's it's out like this. Oh, that is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. That, so that again, why would that be on there? I don't yeah. understand because obviously you're gonna put you know uh, you're you're gonna put a fitted sheet over that. You're not even gonna see it. <laughs> right. What is anyone uh, supposed is, to think that is? Well, and that's the thing. No, there's no explanation of it, right? So it's very clear that, like, oh, well, this is not like someone did not realize. Hey, this looks like a murder scene. I need to explain what's on this. No, mattress. they didn't put it in there. Nature scene mattress <laughs> topper. <laughs> yeah. Again, currently for sale. Currently, well, not now. Now is taken. It was well, free. It, it was free. Yeah. Someone was got free. that. Yeah. So yeah, if you were looking for that, if you were hopeful, <laughs> then uh, sorry, no, no luck for you. All right, up next again, real things currently for sale on Facebook. This will haunt your dreams. A Donald Trump concrete garden statue. Eighty dollars. Eighty dollars. Trying to zoom in on that. Yeah, eighty dollars. They're asking for. Why would you want that? <laughs> Why, Why would you spend $80? How $80 much was it originally? $80. And it's like, they give, it's 18 inches tall, 12 inches wide, 8 inches deep. $80 for a Donald Trump concrete garden statue. Wow. Doesn't seem like anything other than a nightmare. It's like very creepy looking. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> Kind of looks like him, I guess, right. like in the creepiest <laughs> way possible. Yeah. Super strange. Super, super weird. So, yes. So, there's that one. We're not done. However, we have two more. <laughs> For the discerning shopper, I give you currently for sale on Facebook, a hornet's nest for $75 <laughs> for $75, just a hornet's nest. Yeah. 
Hornet's nest in good condition, $75, approximately 12 inches in length. Also, in good condition, I feel like it's, it's sort of really a judgment call. It has fallen on the ground, presumably out of a tree. It's busted open. Is that considered a hornet's nest in good condition? I guess so. I've never seen a hornet's <laughs> nest in, in bad condition. So I. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So if you want a hornet's nest, Billy, you could message Billy and ask if it's still available. And uh, yeah, I guess the gift for those who have everything. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's right. Well, let me say that. It's the gift for someone who has almost everything. Uh, yes, almost everything. Almost everything. <laughs> I bet because, you don't have this. Because you, you are correct. There's this is the gift for the person who has everything. A large a large funyun. That's a sold. There's no chance that is correct. There's no chance. They're listed for $20,000 and it says it was sold. It's a giant Funyun. And here's what the, the person says for the description. This thing big as hell. No tire kickers. I know what I got. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a giant Funyun. It looks like a sock. <laughs> it just didn't break apart in production. It looks yes. like. <laughs> I know what I got. I know what I got. No tire kickers. I don't want you people that are just kind of gently perusing for giant Funyuns. If you're not real serious buyers, I'm not interested. Giant Funyun. $20,000. Oh, that's, yeah. I'm supremely confident he did not get $20,000 there. Money laundering, maybe. Yeah, could be. Could be. Getting that Funyun money. Got a real life NFT here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I, 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 I we, we will try to bring this segment back from time to time, but that, that is, uh, yes, real things, currently listed for sale on Facebook. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Very popular. Very popular. They love it. They love it. They love Thank it. You. Okay, it's enough. All it's right. enough. Come Stop on. it. Stop it. it Stop just, it. It's just an idea. <laughs> it's just an idea. Yes. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Honestly, it feels like a reasonable reaction. It feels like it's a, it comes at about where I would have expected us to be. Sure. success. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> So anyway, yeah. So so that's uh, I I I saw a few things. And I was like, man, I got to start bringing some of these things together. You know, you see stupid things, and then sure. I don't always like grab them for the show. But I was like, okay, I gotta I gotta bring something uh, with these here. That's so, fantastic. Found some good ones. Uh, so we got one thing left before I get to it. Anything that you wanted to uh, to touch on? No, I think we got uh, got through a good bit of stuff tonight. Yeah, did pretty well, did pretty well. So one more thing. We talked a few times earlier about how attitudes toward things have changed, drunk driving, different things like this. Attitudes have uh, attitudes have changed in general. Sure. So this one I thought was a great example of how attitudes have changed. This is reaction 
to Burger King accepting credit cards in 1993. Great acting. If I use my GM card and I get a five percent rebate, if I eat here long enough, I'll be able to buy a pickup truck. Burger King bosses say workers won't have to figure out how much change the customer gets back. I just hope it doesn't slow things down at the cash cash and carry that people are going to be having to call New York and get get the confirmation or, you know, whatever it is. Because when I want a Whopper, I want it now. Just another way to spend money. I'm sure it'll work for people on vacation when they don't have to do something. But I can't imagine it working on a day-to-day -day basis here. So far, the smallest credit has been for $2.50. The largest, just over 10 Jamie Costello, News Channel 2. There you go. All right. So... I'm assuming a, Jamie Costello has gone on to uh, act in many, <laughs> many of a movie. Let me tell you something that's really funny. Okay. <laughs> when we talk about a small world, here's what's really funny. Jamie Costello is from Baltimore. I grew up watching Jamie Costello <laughs> on TV. <laughs> On the news. <laughs> he grew up where my mother grew up and has been with Channel 2 News since 1987 with the Baltimore Channel 2 News. So that's I'm watching funny. this video and I'm going, that guy looks really familiar to me for some reason. Now keep in mind, that's 1986 or something, whatever time frame that was, right? And I'm like, man, that guy looks familiar. And at the end, Jamie Costello for Chapter News. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> what are the chances? All, all random news people in the entire country. This would happen to be one guy. My mother knows exactly who Jamie Costello is. If I said Jamie Costello, she'd know who I'm talking about. Crazy that that happens to be. I had no idea. I did not look this up from Baltimore or, you know, anything right. like local news or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, yep. So Jamie Costello, though, I will say this. Did not go on. To any significant mm. acting roles. I mean, he obviously took a shot. That's a shame. Yeah. Sure. And he could have. Yeah. It's shame. definitely the best where it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh. I also like the guy who says, when I want a Whopper, I want it now. I want it now. <laughs> I don't need you calling into headquarters and, and getting confirmation on this. I don't have that kind of time. When I want my Whopper, I want it now. The other guys you know, are like trying to figure out, okay, I get 5% cash back. If I eat here, this, you know, I'm going to get a new pickup truck for me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Season yeah. opportunity takes it. That's it. That's, that's a businessman. Very shrewd, shrewd businessman. <laughs> but yeah, so, before, so I, I'll leave us uh, tonight just with, uh, with that thought uh, above and beyond anything else. I want it now. There you go. <laughs> Some things haven't changed. Well, I want it. a Whopper. I want to know. I don't That's want it. Right. I don't want it tomorrow. I no. want it now. Why would I want yeah. it tomorrow? And I, and I don't want it last week. I want it now. I want it now. Yeah. And the thing that, that that has changed is that I will probably buy it with a credit card. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. 
is so funny because they're like, I can't see this really catching on. $3? Yes. Like, no, I mean, I've literally, you know, bought a 99 cent, you know, sweet tea from McDonald's yes. and used my credit card because Absolutely. I don't cash on me. <laughs> so much more so convenient. Funny. Now, I mean, it's so weird now to see people paying with cash at a fast food place. Yes. I, and I'm not even positive half of the people working there even know how to count out change properly right. anyways. <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. I mean, like, I really think that if, if somebody comes in right now with, with cash and was like, hey, I want to buy this, you know, just and I have cash, you'd go, what? <laughs> that's, like, that be, that's pretty cash. much, yeah, that's like, huh? Like, that's the thing. Like, you don't see cash very often anymore, no. which is, you know, it's kind of a bummer because we, yeah. we Lord knows we're burning through it in this country, but we, uh, everything's debt everything's based on debt and credit and stuff like that and so exactly. yeah cash is weird now very weird yeah it's so weird to like i, I couldn't tell you the last i'm it's not like i get fast food a lot but i i couldn't tell you the last time i paid cash for yeah fast food no i do have a diner uh that, that we like to frequent that only takes cash mm. But that's me stopping at the ATM to right. get cash out yeah, before it's, I go it's to unnecessary this place. It's, it's, and it is. It's like, what, do uh, I really want this food? Is this really that good? I have to right. pay cash for this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not worth the trouble. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> uh, all right. Refresh my memory. We are right at the hour mark here. We do need to wrap it up. But is there anything else that we wanted to touch on tonight that I forgot about? I know I've been rolling through things, but... Uh... No, I mean, I think we got some stories we could probably hold over till next week. I'm, I'm sure something else in the news is going <laughs> to pop itself up like it always does. But uh, <laughs> I, know, I think we covered uh, the gambit, as they say. I'm not sure All who right. says it, but that's uh, what they say. Said. Yeah, It's definitely it's been, been said at some point. Once or twice, yeah. Yeah. People that said it might regret it, but they've said it. No, definitely regret it. It's out it. there. It's out yeah. there. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess then that that's going to wrap us up. So. With that being the case, again, we always say thank you to our global audience. Check us out on basically anywhere, all the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, everything. Our YouTube channel, of course, uh, very popular, and you get to see short clips and segments that we talk about on the show that uh, you know really people love a lot of this stuff because it's very strange and you just don't see it very many other places. Yeah. Uh, and then you know on uh, on Twitter at Get the Horn Show and everything else. So. We're all over the place, and uh, we appreciate you checking us out. The Army grows every day, and we will do our best to continue to keep you entertained. So that having been said, great show to you, uh, my friend, this evening. And to you also, sir. I thank you, sir. And uh, we will go ahead and wrap it up. So thank you, everybody. Good night. Good night.